it's Meg Nally from Big Brother Season 17, and you are listening to The Recap. DJ Earworm, and you're listening to The Recap. Hi, I'm Heather McDonald, and you're listening to The Recap. It's American Idol winner Nick Fradiani, and you are listening to The Recap. Welcome to The Recap. I'm Erin McClory. And I'm Carly Miller. When we make assumptions, it can sometimes bring out the worst in situations. But when those assumptions are on social media or national television, the effects are amplified. All of our topics today relate back to making assumptions, so let's jump right in. And we have to start with Kendra Wilkinson-Basket, who has recently gone on an Instagram rant. She posted a selfie with her middle finger up, And the caption, which, you know, has a few curse words here and there, it basically talks about addressing the trolls, calling some people pedophiles, saying that some people live in their cages and they need to rethink their lives and that their lives are already over. But those posts have since been deleted. So, Erin, we right now have to do a little bit of assuming ourselves. Kendra posted a picture of her two-year-old daughter, Elijah Mary Basket, by the ocean on a family vacation without a bathing suit top on. And now, again, her posts have since been deleted, so we're not exactly sure what she's referring to. But apparently, trolls took to Instagram to comment on how the image was either, one, inappropriate, or two, saying something regarding her daughter being topless and and sexualizing the image. Now, Erin, her two-year-old her daughter, rather. Her her daughter is two years old. So I I can't understand how somebody could see a picture of a two-year-old girl and think that it's inappropriate or sexual. Definitely. I get her frustration for sure. Like you said, we're making some assumptions because since the posts have been deleted, we don't know what was said for sure. But the way that she described it in her caption saying that sexualizing a child is not okay... Obviously, I completely agree with her in that sense. And her daughter is two years old and she's posting a picture of her at the beach. Right. What's the problem? I don't know. I I thought when I was reading of this story and I saw it on Instagram as well, I thought of how many pictures you've seen of somebody as a baby in the bath without a shirt on, without a a top on. Exactly. Would you ever think that it was by any means, you know, sexual? No. It's it's disgusting that people's minds, you know, go right there. And I think that this concept it totally goes to show that celebrities are just like this with their children you know I'm sure that parents have pictures of their kids you know running around in just a diaper or in the bath their parents are capturing moments of their child at two years old they're not thinking that anyone's going to see this content and think that it is in any way sexualizing this little girl definitely not it just it goes back to the conversation of celebrities and what they can post because if anybody else had posted this picture of their two-year-old just an average person it probably would have been friends and family commenting like so cute hope you're having a great time blah 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 whatever it may be but because it's a celebrity the rules have changed absolutely and and they're under a, a magnifying glass a lens and whatever they do has to be taken to the utmost extent of negativity now this this concept reminds me of a time last year when jesse james decker took a picture of her daughter, Vivienne Rose, who was also two at the time, and her daughter was sitting on the toilet, the potty, and I believe it was like the first time she she was being potty trained. And so Jesse James captured the moment, posted it to Instagram. I believe there was another toddler in the room, like the two of them were like on like a kitty potty or something. 
again, something that was solely for memorabilia, it sounded like to me. And Instagram removed the picture due to inappropriate content. And we know that because Jesse James posted a screenshot of Instagram sending her a message that her her picture had since been removed. And at the time, Jesse was extremely expressive on her disgust over how girls could post half-naked pictures of themselves at 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 years old, and yet she couldn't share this bittersweet moment of her daughter going to the bathroom for the first time as a two-year-old. Exactly. I I can't comprehend it just because, like I was saying, I feel like we see these pictures from friends and family all the time and pictures of us when we were little and know they're not on social media because social media wasn't a thing 22 years old when we were 22 years ago when we were born. But now it's just there's so much more to deal with. And I don't understand how people can say that documenting a child's life is inappropriate or sexual or anything like that when you're just solely documenting a child being a child. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more with you, Erin. And speaking of assumptions, we have to move on. Assumptions in motherhood. It'll take us right into our next topic of Chrissy Teigen because she has since spoken out about how we shouldn't assume that all women's goals are to have kids. So just this year, Chrissy Teigen opened up about her struggle with postpartum depression, and she openly discussed about how she felt so empty and dark. I remember reading articles about how she said that there were days on end where she wouldn't change, she wouldn't get up, she wouldn't shower, and she addressed the fact that she is a person of privilege in the sense that her mother lives with her, she has nannies, she has access to whatever healthcare needs that, that she, you know, has to utilize. She has it all at her fingertips, and yet she still struggled. And so she felt the need to speak out because nobody is immune to this disease, which is exactly what it is. And I thought that that was, you know, she was so well-spoken in coming out and talking about that. She acknowledged the fact that, you know, despite all of the odds being in her favor, you could argue, she still struggled with it, that no one is immune to this. And so now she's speaking out about something else relating to motherhood. So for those of you who don't know, Chrissy Teigen is a model, television host, cookbook author, wife to John Legend, and mother to Luna, who turns one year old today. Happy birthday, Luna. April 14th. How, how timely that we talk about this. It is. I just love this story for a couple reasons. Like you said, she has everything going for her, and it's easy to look at Chrissy Teigen and say, she is so lucky, she has the perfect life, she must be so happy. But underneath that, you don't know what's going on, and postpartum depression can affect anyone and everyone. It doesn't discriminate. It doesn't matter who you are or what you have. You can be affected by it. And for her to speak out and say, yes, I struggled with this, and it's okay, and I'm coping with it and I'm working on it and I'm getting over it it's such a powerful message because we do hear it time and time again from celebrities but but now to hear it from someone who's who's acknowledging the fact that I have nannies I have my mom living with me all the health care we need we got it I'm good and yet I'm still feeling postpartum depression I just I commend celebrities for speaking out I love it. I I agree completely, Erin. And now Chrissy is tackling another taboo concept when it comes to women and kids, and that is the assumption that they want to have children, that every woman, after getting married, wants to bear a child. So Refinery29 is launching Mothership. It's going to be a new series of the website that will address motherhood and the questions and concerns that come along with it. They describe it as just like women talking amongst themselves about their experiences because parenting is a big deal. 
And it's oftentimes something that nobody talks about in, in from a behind-the-scenes aspect. Yeah, most of the time we see it in sitcoms or in drama shows or whatever it may be or teen mom which is obviously not the typical experience that most mothers have so to see it just as a new series that's going to be on their website that will just solely address motherhood and questions and concerns that's amazing I mean we see it on some talk shows once in a while you know that might be something that's discussed here and there but to have something solely dedicated where mothers can go and watch whether they have kids or not, or they're deciding, do I want right. to have kids or not? It's just a great resource. I couldn't agree more. It's 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 very necessary, and I'm surprised that we haven't seen something like this in the past with the emerging media world that we're in. Of course, there's books. Of course, there's blogs. But there's never really been... Refinery21 has built up their audience, and now they're utilizing it to open up a new branch. And I think that that's something that, as you said, is, is necessary. It is. And there's so much room for content on the web. I mean, I'm in a class right now where we're we're talking about web series and, and how much room there is for digital content and how much is out there that we don't even know about. So to have somebody like Chrissy Teigen behind this, it also means a lot because I think it's going to get more publicity, more people are going to be aware of it, and it's going to help more people. I couldn't agree more. So with this art, with this interview rather in in particular, Chrissy Teigen sits down with Refinery29's Ariana Davis to talk about her struggle with postpartum depression and why our society needs to accept women who choose to lead child-free lives. Now, Erin, this is huge. This is coming from someone who has a child, but three years ago was very, very open. I remember on the Tyra Banks show discussing how her and John were having a lot of trouble getting pregnant. Yeah, They went through in vitro. They went through, you know, you name it, they did it. And I remember that they actually went through the process where, you know, they, they couldn't get pregnant on their, their own and they chose if they wanted to have a boy or a girl. And I remember at the time they were under a lot of fire for choosing a girl over a boy and the controversy of, of that and what have you, not that it matters to anybody. But I just remember throughout this entire experience, Chrissy Teigen has always been extremely open and transparent, not that she needs to be, but about her troubles to conceive, you know, her trouble to get pregnant, and and now her trouble after having a baby. And I think that that's a good point you bring up is how open she's been through the whole process, because I think a big misconception is that postpartum depression only affects people who maybe didn't want to have a kid and were found, found themselves in that situation and decided to go through with the pregnancy and have the kid and raise the baby. Well, no, that's not the case. Someone who wanted a child so badly and, and wasn't able and her and her husband found ways to have a baby can still suffer from postpartum depression. And her being open from from start to finish is what makes this story so strong and so powerful. Absolutely. And and you talk about someone who is completely stable, or or so we can assume, right, at least from a financial aspect, which I feel as though a lot of burden comes from when you're having a child and, you know, the concept of being able to support them and all of that. And so, yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's, It's very necessary for someone to speak out and Tegan said in the interview that women should not have the space to discuss motherhood or I'm sorry let me let me rephrase that women should have the space not should not women should have the space to discuss motherhood as an option not a guarantee we hear this all the time I mean we talked about it what a week or two ago I don't even remember who it was but oh it was John Cena and Nikki Bella right yep and them getting engaged and us saying now she'd been getting questions about when are the babies coming. Well, first of all, they just got engaged. Second of all, John Cena has made it clear that at this point in his life, he doesn't think he wants kids. That's fine, but everyone is assuming they're engaged, they're about to get married, and they're going to have kids. 
no, that's not how it works. That's not how it ever should have worked. And yes, maybe that was more how it did work back in the day, if you will. But things have changed and things are changing. And you can't just assume that because people are engaged or married or just because you're a female, you want to be a mother and you want to have kids. That's not the case. Absolutely. And Davis, the, the woman interviewing her, revealed that she personally herself is struggling with the decision to have kids or not, especially when people assume everyone wants children. And that's really how this topic got brought up because Chrissy's response was, well, first of all, I want to commend you in your decision to be open about maybe not having children at all. I think it's really commendable to even doubt the process out loud because I don't feel like people should be pressured to have children. I'm sure that when you announce the fact that fact to somebody, they're very quick to be like, gasp, why don't you want kids? And I've never been that way with people because I don't think any of us should assume all women's goals are to have kids. It's a choice. And saying it's a choice is even an understatement. I mean, it is probably the biggest choice that anybody would make in their entire life. I mean, you are committing yourself to raising a child. That is insanely huge decision. I mean, we talk about what college to go to, where to move after college, whatever it may be. These are all big decisions we have to make. No. Who you marry. Yeah, that's a big decision. Having a kid. You're bringing someone else into the world. It is. And I just think we take it too lightly. It's not a one day you wake up and you decide you want to have a kid or one day you wake up and decide, nah, it's not really for me. I mean, that's a lifelong decision in, in discovering yourself and what you want out of life. And whether or not you want a kid, it's it's totally a personal decision. And if you're in a relationship, maybe it's a decision with you and your partner as it should be. But that's something for that person and those people to decide and just just for them. Absolutely. And like you mentioned earlier, we've touched upon this on the past, not to the full extent, but when it comes to the cycle of engagement marriage, and then the pressure to have children right after, no matter no matter what. And I think that, you know, Chrissy, we've seen her open up about her struggle to conceive, her battle with postpartum depression, and now the assumption that all women want to have children. And so it's the same cycle in a sense. We're seeing this, you know, cycle of pressure, this cycle of assumption, this cycle of misunderstanding. And I think that like we said about this, this motherhood being launched by Refinery29, this is vital for all women, arguably all even all men to understand, no matter what their age is, because ultimately it's about respecting a woman's body and a woman's choice. Definitely. And good for her for speaking out. We have to move on to what is probably the most devastating assumption on our list of topics to talk about today, and that comes from the show Survivor. A contestant is opening up about being outed on the show as transgender. So, Zeke Smith, who was on this current season, it's I believe it's an all-star season, so he was on the season before, he's back, and he has said, quote, I was maliciously outed by a former local network news anchor. Now, before we jump into it, I just want to play the clip of when Zeke was outed and the reaction of the other contestants. Why haven't you told anyone you're transgender? What I'm showing is a deception. But that's it's personal. Not, that it has nothing to do with the game. You didn't have to do that. That is so wrong we for you on. to bring that up. Okay. I'm not using that as that anything negative. That has nothing negative. to do with the game. That's personal. I'm not knocking him. That clip is from Survivor on CBS. Now, just hearing that, the reaction from the other contestants is something that, in a way, is somewhat comforting and a little heartwarming in a situation that is so heartbreaking. Erin, I couldn't agree more. In fact, I was on social media just yesterday upon learning about this topic. And this this guy that I'm Facebook friends with posted a clip and said something about, or, or rather posted the Hollywood Reporter 
article that that Zeke wrote himself right. about you know which was so well written by so the way so well written so beautifully so beautifully done he posts that and you know something commending Zeke and, and his bravery a girl comments did you watch the episode my fury has not subsided the guy who, who originally made the status said yes that was just low and unnecessary move not not that he's a player worth inviting to go back they're talking a little bit about you know the logistics of the game in survivor the girl says agreed i am just glad that the rest of the tribe reacted as they did and were appropriately outraged and the guy then comments back how they reacted was really wonderful and speaks to survivor's reflection of a mostly evolving society the whole thing if anything gave me a little faith that's great that people are talking about that portion of it because it is true I thought I might be one of the only people to really notice that but I'm glad that other people are talking about that as well absolutely it is so important the reaction that other people had now let's backtrack to the story behind it that Zeke wrote about in the Hollywood Reporter so Survivor was a show that he actually started watching when he fell into a deep depression and he was dealing with his transition and the show became part of him transitioning and having the chance to remake himself and he decided that after transitioning he wanted to test himself and he was going to use survivor and applying for the show to be his test but in his initial video he did not discuss his trans status because he wanted the show to pick him as a game player and a storyteller but not as the first trans player which first of all Aaron, let's think about this from a television content perspective if zeke had discussed his transition and how he was a transgender male the entire season would have been around that. It and we can't deny that. In the society we live in, with television, it w- the storyline would have just fallen to all the attention being on him, but arguably for all of the wrong reasons in the sense that that's not what he wanted. Exactly. Reality TV is so heavily built upon stereotypes and and not even stereotypes per se, but just finding someone's mold or finding their I don't know what I don't know what the right word is but whether it's the version on the bachelor or the crybaby on the bachelor whatever or it may Corinne be or the chat on the bachelor exactly. I know we're referencing the bachelor but but that is one of the shows that from. that does it to the fullest extent and that is what would have happened I think if he had been outward I mean it happened on Big Brother there was the first trans contestant on Big Brother and that's and the she, season was yeah, was marketed around exactly. though am I right and she didn't she didn't last super long because she wasn't a great player, but that was what she was known as, and that is what she still is known as. And so I totally understand that. And a quote from his article, Zeke's article in The Hollywood Reporter, said, quote, A person's gender history is private information, and it is up to them and only them when, how, and to whom they choose to disclose that information. Keeping your gender history private is not the same as a gay person being in the closet. The only people who need to know are medical professionals and naked fun-time friends. It's I, I get it. I get it because he goes on to talk about how his identity is as a male. He doesn't need to talk about how his transition and, and, right. and that's not deceptive. And, and who he is, that's what he's showing. And he doesn't see what's wrong with that. And frankly, I don't either. Erin, I, I have a quick question for you. And, and we, this, is a, this is a concept that we've talked about before with her docuseries, with her extremely, extremely famous interview with Diane Sawyer's. Did Caitlyn Jenner's transition, having it, it having been so public, did it distort common folks' mentality regarding how people transition? That's a great question. Did it question. set an unrealistic scenario where we are worthy of knowing if and when someone is transitioning? I think that's a great point, and I do think 
that could be the case because when you have someone who's so in the public eye and was so open about their transition good for her and I think that that does help some people but I do think that it does hurt some people because now people are assuming that it's public knowledge to know when someone transitioned and if someone transitioned when in reality that's none of your business and what they choose to identify as that is your only business right and we live in such a in such a time where we as a society are are hopefully transitioning like like that Facebook post th- that I just read to be more understanding, you know, to be more educated on this. But in a society at the current time that is arguably extremely uneducated on this topic, I think that you can take one scenario and people are going to ride it out to be the norm because we can't as a society wrap our heads around these individual scenarios and he compares it to coming out of the closet and how that's not the same and I think that in people's naive minds they might assume that that comparison is just the exact same right and it's definitely not now I want to get into a little bit more if people might be asking well if he is not comfortable talking about this or doesn't want to talk about it why did he decide to go on such a national platform on a tv show Well, we mentioned that Survivor was part of his transition and and he used it as almost a test for himself and and what he could do after his transition. And he said, quote, I impressed the hell out of myself. So when he was done with that first season, which was just last season, he was asked to come back for the All-Star season just two weeks after finishing that season. And and he said yes. Wow. And so he came back and he became very close with Jeff Varner, who was someone that he watched on the show before because this All-Star season is Jeff Varner's third time on the show. And he was trying to make the jury for the first time and this was likely his last chance and if he didn't make it to jury he'd be remembered as the only three-time player to never make jury a lot at stake but a lot at stake in the reality tv landscape and in the bigger scheme of things this doesn't really have much of an impact on his life but in the survivor world you don't really want to be remembered as that so the two connected, Varner and Zeke, that is. Varner was openly gay but didn't discuss it on his first two seasons. And he struggled when he was younger to find understanding of gay people's place in Christianity. And so Zeke connected with him. He saw pain and brokenness in Varner, he said, and it felt too familiar to him. And so the two really did connect on a deep level. And just before they would make it to jury, it was clear that Varner was going to go home. And so Zeke, out of the kindness of his heart, decided he needed to tell Varner, look, you're going to go home, friend to friend. I don't want you to be blindsided. You're not going to make it to jury. You're going to go home. And that is why at the tribal council, from the clip we played, you hear Varner say, why haven't you told anyone that you're transgender? And it was as if he was using it as a tactic to make him go home instead. It's, it's, it's sickening so disgusting. because it's this despicable. is a reality TV show. And I think one of the, the best parts of the Hollywood Reporter article is a quote where Zeke comes and, say, and talks about stereotypes and, and what exactly this segment of this show did to perpetuate those stereotypes. He said, quote, in proclaiming Zeke is not the guy you think he is and that there is deception on levels y'all don't understand, Varner is saying that I'm not really a man and that simply living as my authentic self is a nefarious trick. He's basically Which is the saying, complete opposite. Exactly. It's what we were saying where it's not the same as, as coming out of the closet. It's he's by saying you didn't tell anyone you're transgender, he's saying you lied, you you were deceitful, you didn't tell us who you really as are. As if this was a tactic in the game and it would reflect upon his performance. Exactly. Which has nothing to do with it. Nothing he at all. He got invited back for the all like 
he killed the game. He he himself admitted it. He did this because he was going through a really, really dark time. He did this to try and, you know, uproot himself. It worked. He was really successful with it. And he continued on. Definitely. Was he hiding a secret? No, and it's so true that it really does perpetuate that stereotype that you're not, if you don't say you're transgender, then you're lying and you're being deceitful and you're not being your true self. When really, if you're transgender, your true self is what you identify as. And that's the only thing you need to to tell people and to show people and to be. It's not fair to think that they have to explain their whole life story of, of their transition and whatnot and who they were before their transition isn't who they are. And that that's, doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. I couldn't agree more, and I and I think that we can all, both you as well as myself, can agree upon that. You know, when you do choose to to go on reality TV, and you know, you kind of become a public figure in doing so, you have to understand that some of your privacy will be taken away in the sense that you might be followed by people, you might have fans, you might have people commenting on your posts whom you've never met, whom you have no idea even existed. But something like this crosses the line. This has nothing to do when you choose to go on a reality show, if you blow up, if you're very successful, if you win millions upon millions of dollars, you need to accept that your life might just change but not in this way. This is not something that Zeke could have ever anticipated because this is something that he himself chose to keep to himself. And quite frankly, he had every right to make that decision. Definitely. And Zeke has been open about his struggle to to find forgiveness in his heart and, and his anger after this happened in the months now that have passed since. And he did say that he knows that the actions, though targeted at him, had nothing to do with him himself and had everything to do with Varner and his insecurities and whatnot. So it's commendable for him to not only say, I know it wasn't directed at me per se, but also I'm still struggling with forgiving what happened. And I think that that's just a strong statement to put out there. And I know Varner in his interview after leaving the show, he did say, quote, no one on this planet should do what I did tonight ever. And I'm so sorry to anyone I offended. And he went on and he was so emotional that at one point he couldn't even talk and he couldn't continue the interview. And and good because absolutely. He should be. But in my heart, I can't help but feel as though was he feeling this way because he he acknowledged Didn't the repercussions like of not making it to the jury. Was he being selfish? Because let's face it, his acts were because of selfishness to begin with. Had you know the rest of the tribe reacted in a different way, would we have seen that sincere of an apology? I can't help but wonder. But at the same time, I don't think it matters because he could have given the most sincere emotional apology of his life, and it would never make up for what he did. I agree. I do think that's a good point. I think with reality TV, you get so caught up in the game, especially with a show like Survivor, like Big Brother, where you're secluded and that's all you have. I mean, in Survivor, you're out in the wilderness. You have very little to live off of. The game eats you up and it gets in your head. And I really think that that is where this came from. Do I think he did it maliciously to out someone no do i think it was probably the biggest mistake of his life absolutely oh my god and not because he went home because he just outed someone on national television and it's just not acceptable i'm glad that he doesn't feel okay about it i'm glad that he is saying that what he did isn't okay and i'm glad that zeke is speaking out about it and saying this is how it felt and this is how i've been dealing with it since and this is my background and and just here is my story and here's how you can learn from it because that's what it's about i was just about to say when you think about this from a greater societal aspect and not just you know 
you know, we feel so sorry for Zeke and, and Varner's the, the villain in this plot line, which there's no denying that that would be the case. It instills a sense of hope, not only for the way in which the the other members of the cast acted at that time, but just the conversation that this will hopefully open up. We will see someone in the spotlight other than Caitlyn Jenner. And I hate to bring it back to that because as we said, Caitlyn Jenner is arguably, you know, she she created a shift two years ago when her interview with Diane Sawyer came out on April 24th, 2014. I remember it because it was the day before my birthday. <laughs> but that in itself opened up a discussion base. Whether you However you felt about Caitlyn Jenner's transition, whether it was too public for you and what have you, it got people talking. And this, again, will get people talking. Zeke, who is a 28-year-old from Brooklyn, New York, he doesn't live in Calabasas. He wasn't a former Olympic star, an Olympic athlete. He is just like us. And for once, we can have someone to wholeheartedly relate to on a spectrum of, you know, he works in New York City. He's a 28-year-old living in Brooklyn, New York. There's nothing that we can't wrap our heads around. We're not saying oh, but you have millions upon millions of dollars to get surgery, to transition. No, 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 no. This is real life here. These are real people, and this is their story, and it's being told. And we can only hope that this will allow us to not only get talking, but for people to be able to truly relate if they are experiencing this transition. Yeah, definitely. I mean, so often reality TV is looked at as this alternate universe, and the people on it are put on a pedestal, and we look at them as celebrities. But... Oftentimes, especially with people like Zeke, they're they're real people. I mean, these are people who, who lived a regular life and just went on a show and it was televised. And now he's going to go back to living his regular life. And yeah, maybe he'll have more Twitter followers if he has a Twitter. And yeah, he'll be recognized on the street once in a while. But other than that, he's still just living his regular life. And I love that you were saying that it, it really does set an example of, of this is true life and this is what can happen and, and learn from it. Absolutely. Now, can we end on a lighter note, a happier note? Let's do just that. And we got to talk about carpool karaoke because it's having its own primetime special. Prime, It's coming to primetime. There's going to be the Late Late Show Carpool Karaoke primetime special 2017. It's airing May 22nd. Now, Aaron, last year's installment in 2016 – there was a, a clip that featured Jennifer Lopez sitting in the passenger seat for a carpool karaoke ride, and that won an Emmy for an outstanding variety special. This carpool karaoke <laughs> has blown up in a Abs- way that I don't know if we could have predicted. I, I mean, you you said James Corden, what the the man of 2016? Yes, I did. I he did, did now- make a rise. Yeah, he has a primetime special. And he hosted the Grammys. Okay. All right. But that's beside the point. It is. But it just goes to show how far someone can come. I mean, a year a year ago, a little more than a year ago now, I went to a show with no idea who he was. My roommate said, I got tickets to see James Corden. I said, great, let's go. I have no idea who that is. She said, I don't either. And we went. And it was an amazing show. And <laughs> now look at him. Like, to not know who James Corden is, I can't even... That thought doesn't even cross my mind. I'm like, how do people not know who James Corden is? He is insanely talented, insanely popular. He's so funny. I, I This is going to be, we're going to make an assumption here. This is going to be a success. It is going to be. I mean, Aaron, there's no denying the popularity of this segment and the impact it's had on the, his viewers. Michelle Obama went on and sat in the passenger seat of James Corden's car. If that's not telling of the success, I mean, come on. 
seriously, you have the former first lady. Was she the first lady at the time? I don't remember yes, when it yes, happened. Yes, she, she was. was. It was right before they left. Obama left office. That's insane. Now, I have to ask you a question, Erin. It doesn't really have to do with oh, the no. show or the success of it. Do you think he feels pressured when driving these celebrities around? There has to be a whole lot of liability there, right? I thought you were going to ask me what song I would sing if I was James Corden. But... That, that is a gr- that's a better question I think because there's more depth to it. That's a good question. So often I feel like a lot of these segments have green screens and they're not really driving, but obviously this is different and they really are driving around. I wonder if they do the same route. Like I haven't watched them enough and analyzed them enough to know like are the what you see out the back or out the windows is it the same? I wonder if they just do Do you think it's on the lot? Like on the CBS lot? Do you think he just drives around the lot? I don't think so. You don't think so? Um, I don't think so at all. Hmm. There's got to be some sort of liability there. That's a little scary. But come on, he's got to be protected by a million things. It's interesting that you say that. The Michelle Obama one, my mom, is a huge carpool karaoke fan. I love it. This is this is exactly why, by the way, it's getting its own primetime specials because you don't have to say James Corden late, late. You can say my mom is a huge carpool karaoke fan. Can That's you do that with point. anyone? any other segment on a late night show? Mean tweets, maybe. You it. can maybe do it with week, Weekend Update with SNL. True. Mean and tweets. I think, is it Jimmy Kimmel's mean tweets? Jimmy Fallon's? Someone's. See, I don't even know. Right. But the the mean tweets go viral often. But right. yeah, I think Carpool Karaoke, I think Weekend Update, there's very, very few segments that, you that can, can be pinpoint. pulled out. And especially, I mean, SNL's been, been around for how many years? And James Corden's show has been around for what? Year or two now, I want to say? Here, yes. here in the states, so for him to go from from starting his own late night talk show on CBS to now having his own show that's spun off from that, that's insane in that amount of time. I agree, and we talked about does he drive around in the same circle? Yeah, I can't help but just bring up the one that I did notice: Michelle Obama. He did drive around in the same circle with a Secret Service car in the back of them the entire time, and I don't think it was made to be obvious, but you could just tell that they were just going in the okay. same exact loop. It almost would have been That's funny also probably if they an made exception. it. Yeah, I think it would have been funny if they did that and made it obvious, like he's not allowed to take Michelle Obama outside of like this hundred square foot area. I agree. Now, we talk about the the popularity of this show. Adele's Carpool Karaoke segment is the most watched late night clip on YouTube. Erin, 154 million views. I have no words. Now, to my understanding, upon looking into this, there might also be a show coming from this. Am right. I right? Yeah. I think you are. I mean, I remember Apple talking about how they wanted to make a show out of it. I don't remember if it was greenlit or if this was something that was definitely happening or not, but I know that it was definitely a possibility. Yeah, so it would be Carpool Karaoke, the series, and it would be a 16-episode series on Apple Music. If you think about it, how appropriate that is for Apple Music to have a show, to have the show Carpool Karaoke. Yeah, it makes complete sense. It fits right in with their brand. I think it has such a built-in audience, the James Corden fans, the Carpool Karaoke fans, the late night talk show fans, that it would get, I think, a lot of traction. I agree completely. And Aaron, we talked about this, but this is just immensely revolutionary when you when you break it down. I mean, a special and possibly a TV show is coming out of something that was intended to just be a what, a five-minute segment on a late, late night show of a man whom one year ago you nor I even knew existed, let's face it. He was known in the Broadway world, and that's about it. And so 
this is huge. It goes to show that in our society in today's day and age, day and age, we want entertainment, we want it fast, and, and once you have us stimulated, we'll be loyal viewers. Once we know that car- carpool karaoke is funny, can make us laugh, is light, it's you get to see a celebrity singing their own songs in the car, just like we sing their songs. I mean, it's it's phenomenal. This is this is how television is going to be successful and I think that it also speaks to just the evolution of media and you mentioned it earlier with you know the class that you're in right now and and digital media but I think that this speaks to it I mean who knows if James Corden will have a show in three years from now because he might just be so successful in launching segments and from a money aspect from a fiscal aspect he's probably going to make more money off that anyway and I think that that's just something to that we have to comprehend as not only you know, students who are immersed in the media, but also just as viewers who watch TV and consume it. Definitely. We talk about it all the time. Media is constantly changing and you have to evolve with it if you're going to stay relevant, whether it's you as a network, you as an exec or you as talent. And James Corden and the people surrounding him are clearly doing just that. Now, the last thing I want to say, Carly and I, of course, we have some bullet point notes in front of us throughout each episode, just so we can make sure we hit on all the topics we want. Carly's last note here, in all caps, can we just note that I said James Corden was the person who blew up in 2016 and now he has this primetime special and hosted the Grammys, he 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 he. Yes, I already brought it up, but I just think it's so funny. You're so modest, Carly. I love you. (laughs) But we have to thank you so much for listening and thank you to our audio technician, David Pekka, and our producer, Kate Douglas. We'll see you next week. The recap presented by ICTV will return next week. In the meantime, follow us on Twitter at the underscore recap and like us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash the recap podcast.